0: So in the last classic we talked about pelletizing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we did. And I mentioned that we had we started getting into operations. And so we followed that up very logically with bagging and storage.
1: Uh, of course. Mhm. Like we alluded to the, the whole wadded up bag of, of hops in in the previous episode. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we did. That that would be that that is not considered storage. That's considered abuse
0: it is it is and of course we we never let talking about bagging go by without sharing our stories of garbage bag at the back door of the brewery yep because it's a thing it is a thing
1: it's absolutely a thing and this is this is the the topic where i i go all ranty on the brewers and i can tell which ones are getting uncomfortable because they stop making eye contact with me <laughs> in class it was just like uh, it's a, i might know somebody who does that uh yeah as a as a parent of teenagers who has
0: to say on a regular basis, we're supposed to have eight glasses in the cabinet, and between the cabinet and the dishwasher there are three. Where are the glasses? Wait. And they won't make eye contact because <laughs> they're all over their rooms. They shove shoving it under their bed with a garden rake. Uh-huh. Like, Get
1: under there. Yeah, I'm
0: I'm missing a steak knife right now and I'm a little concerned. <laughs>
1: one of the two of them's keeping a shiv under their mattress is that what's going on
0: it's possible it's definitely possible i I don't know but but yeah the oh the it this the whole thing this episode is more about how you bag at your production facility but but yes it gets back to the why can't you keep your damn room clean Mm -hmm. because things are gonna go bad you're gonna have ants and mice if you're not careful
1: (laughs) now we're gonna have ants
0: Autocorrect is not my friend this week, James. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what I'm talking about.
1: It's always good for a, a chuckle. I appreciate it.
0: It is. So to, to <laughs> fill all the listeners in on on our little joke here, James and I often talk midweek, you know, what are we going to record about this week? We have a list of topics we've, we've put on, you know, a list, and it's a matter of what do we feel in the mood to discuss And I sent you a note and what did that note say should we talk about begging this weekend yes let's talk about
1: begging (laughs) we're gonna talk about begging
0: so anyway um I've got a lot of experience with begging but that's for my other podcast really (laughs) so we'll talk about bagging bagging
1: yes packaging yes let's talk about packaging today
0: you can beg people to help you bag
1: that's not the worst thing Uh, bagging is pretty easy uh that's that's not too bad. You know, you get away the the hops into the bag. You got to vacuum purge the bag, seal the bag, label the bag, put the bag in a box. Pretty simple.
0: Br- brown lunch bag, right?
1: Brown yet yeah, mm, not so much. No brown lunch bags, no no hefty bags even if it is triple ply. Uh yeah. We don't want to see that. No. No, no no pellets in a pail, none of that kind of stuff. I'm just here to throw softballs at you. I know you are, yes. So
0: why don't we start by talking about wh- why why you have to bag, what the process is and why we're doing it in the first place. And and of course, just like everything else, it's the Q word. It's about quality and making sure that things are, are stable and have a good shelf life uh, as long as possible of a shelf life. But let, let's get into that at first, I think, as to what the process is and why we're doing it the way we do it.
1: Everything from pelletizing all the way through to consumption of hops by the brewer is about keeping oxygen away. As we talked in one of our last podcasts about pelletizing and you said, wow, this is a pretty heavy geometry episode where the the cylinder of the pellet is the most efficient shape to limit the amount of surface area that oxygen has the ability to interact with. That carries through into packaging. So now, yeah, you've minimized the surface area, for oxygen attack, but what you haven't done is protect the overall product from oxygen. So that's where packaging comes in. And just simply putting them in a, in a zip top bag is not protecting them. It comes down to the type of material that you choose for the, the pouch for the packaging, the type of equipment that you use, to draw a uh, vacuum or gas purge and apply a seal to said packaging, and then how you protect that bag, which is what it is, that pouch, after it's sealed. You just don't, you know, carry and stack bags around. They go into boxes. So there's a reason for that. Lots of steps involved, and pretty much like everything else with hot production, it comes down a lot of it to equipment. So we should probably talk about equipment 1st Mm-hmm. Again, we are not sponsored by this company, so I use a, a company called Zorbent Systems, S-O-R-B-E-N-T Systems. Uh, they're out of California. That's where we bought all of our uh, packaging pouches and whatnot from. But they've got an entire host of of equipment and pouches and whatnot. So it's really and, and really good primers on on the type of of vacuum packaging you're you're really looking for. The one that is the single most common that you will see around is the retractable nozzle vacuum sealer, and what this thing does is it's got a two parallel bars, uh, flat bars on the front of this. They're anywhere between. Well, you can get really small ones that are like twelve inches long, but you can get them up to like thirty-six inches long, and you you put a uh, a bag open end of a bag between these two parallel bars and uh, they clamp down and apply heat and they make a heat seal, if that makes sense. But you've also got a nozzle that sticks into the bag and through that nozzle is where you pull a vacuum and actually, and, and also backfill with gas. And that nozzle typically sucks all the air out or most of the air out of the bag and then backfills with a gas like an inert gas, like nitrogen. And then you have the option typically of evacuating that gas and making what's called a hard pack or keeping that gas in there and making what's called a soft pack or a pillow pack. Either way that nozzle retracts and then these jaws, these parallel bars clamp down with a heating element in it and it melts the polymers of the bag together to create a gas proof seal. That's what this machine does. Now, I guess
0: my question there, I mean, that's... You're talking about introduction of gas. So you're talking about something very automatic. Yes. You also see people talking about the fact that they picked up a food saver machine and, they are you know, you can buy a kitchen sealer for your, your freezer meats at home out of Bed Bath & Beyond.
1: Oh, I thought we were talking about professionals here. Well, we
0: are, but... Some of the professionals listening probably have one of those. So,
1: so why do,
0: why do you not would, do something would, like
1: that? I would challenge that statement uh, <laughs> in saying that if they are using one of those, they are not professionals. Not professionals. Okay, and there's the answer. <laughs> mm-hmm. Is it
0: more to do with the with the true vacuum seal than anything else? I mean, you're you're getting a, a decent freezer seal in my example, but you're not getting nearly the amount of seal, and
1: certainly not the the, the nitrogen treatment. Right. So there's a, several things that are wrong with these uh, over-the-counter sort of big-box store little food saver sealers. Primarily, they require, in most cases, that you use a proprietary pouch material that works with their vacuum sealer. And that material isn't, how do I want to say this? Good. That's not a true barrier material. So I see this all the time. I was actually at my butcher yesterday and they had some, uh, some steaks, some New York strips that they froze, you know, after a certain time, they're not selling the case. You freeze them and you sell them at a discount. So if, cause I'm cheap, I bought the discounted frozen steaks and they had used this clear polymer vacuum bag material that I could tell that came off of a roll that, went with one of these sort of consumer-grade vacuum sealers. And even though it was vacuum sealed, there are still ice crystals on the inside of these bags. Where'd that come from? That didn't come from the steak, right? So those ice crystals, same thing with putting, you know... food in zip top bags and putting them in your freezer and they get ice crystals forming on the inside of them it's because that polymer material is not a true barrier material it allows gases to exchange and that blows people's minds because they're like well it doesn't leak sure it is it's not leaky to water but it's leaky to vapor and a vapor can get through oxygen can get through and that's no good and so you'll even find these you know vacuum sealed meats will freezer burn over time? And that's where that comes from. It comes from cheap plastic polymer uh, pouch material, and it comes from using these inexpensive over-the-counter type food saver dealy bobs. You know what? If you're you're a home brewer and you're sealing whole leaf hops, you're like, I've had these in my freezer for a year, and they're just fine. Kudos to you. (laughs) Uh, I hear it all the time. And you know what? They're probably just fine for your home brew. But if you are a professional hot producer and you are expected to compete against the quote big, big guys that, that one of our listeners was just talking to me about this week, you can't compete against them if you're showing up and in, in presenting brewers with a non standard package. Mm-hmm. They have an expectation in their mind, and you have to, at the very, very, very minimum, meet that minimum expectation and so in my mind showing up to a brewer with clear pouches with pellets in them sealed up on a vacuum on a, on a on a food saver is no different than showing up with a garbage bag full of hops at the back door you look like an idiot again barrier to entry this is part of tuition get the right vacuum sealer and so the right vacuum sealer is going to be one that will seal any polymer bag not proprietary bags any polymer bag and we're going to get into what what type of pouches and also has gas purge option which those over-the-counter big box store units do not offer this all they do is suck air out of the bag they don't backfill it with an inert gas and i thought you were ending the sentence with all they do is suck and you were done All, all they do is suck yeah maybe that'll be the bumper at the end that's it and people like oh my god how much do these things cost you can get super fancy ones that'll handle 44 pound bags or 22 kilos right no problem or 20 kilos no problem but do you need that no you don't need that not certainly when you're starting out and what i found is that most moderate scale craft brewers don't want 44 pound bags or 20 kilo bags they want something smaller so you know you get into like a 10 kilo bag or even a 5 kilo bag so now you're talking about something that has a a seal a ceiling width you know a bag width of 22 inches or so it's about as big as you're going to get uh and and those units you can find these units brand spanking new an 18 inch wide unit brand new is going to be about 3500 bucks uh i because I'm tight I've never bought anything like that new um, so I bought the first one I bought was an AccuSeal 35 it did not have an integrated vacuum pump it used a Venturi valve with compressed air worked great had gas purge on it uh, I think I bought that off of eBay for 700 bucks and it was a trooper hmm. so you can get into it as for as little as a you know a few hundred bucks well, more than a few or you can spend, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars on them.
0: Is there anything specific about a food grade
1: vacuum sealer versus
0: are do they make them that are not designed for food?
1: Not really. I mean, all of these will will handle food. All of the parts that actually have the potential to touch a food product are stainless. And in this case, the only thing that actually could come into contact with the hops is the the snorkel or the nozzle that does the vacuuming and the and the gas purging and that that's stainless so that's not a problem okay. you're also going to want something that produces a ideally produces a a melt zone on the polymer so the seal bar width of at least a quarter of an inch and look at your food saver and see how wide that little seal bar is it's not that big because these bags get misused all the time and the single most vulnerable point on the, on the bag material is the seal because brewers will pick them up by the by the end of the bag you know just pick them up and walk around with them and uh, toss them around in their in their cooler and that seal has to be robust to make sure you don't get any micro fissures in it and thereby lose your your vacuum which can happen pretty easily
0: you mentioned the vacuum packing versus the pillow packing are there pros and cons there as to why you would do one versus the other sure
1: yeah let's talk about that so up until about five years ago, the industry standard was pulling a hard vacuum on the pouch material. You know, where it crunches down, you can see the individual like outlines of pellets in there, sort of like a Folgers coffee brick. I think it looks more like and, a Speedo, but uh, go ahead. Yeah, right. So there's a couple of issues there. One is usability by the brewer. So when you do that, as you can imagine, you're actually applying force as you evacuate all that air. And you make a vacuum now you've got 14 pounds almost 15 pounds per square inch of atmospheric pressure pressing down on that bag and you add all that up over the surface area and that's a lot of force that's pushing those pellets together just because they're under vacuum and when the brewer goes to open that bag up yeah they open it up it goes whoosh you know and the air sucks in they're like oh this had a good seal but now they have a solid chunk of hot pellets and so now they're they're taking the bag and they're smashing it on the floor and they're hitting it with a pipe or something like that to break them up. Brewers don't like that. So the industry went to what we call a pillow pack, which is instead of pulling a hard vacuum on it what we do and sealing it, what we would do is we would pull a very hard vacuum on it and then quickly back flush it with a, an inert gas to sort of inflate the bag a little bit and then seal it. So the bag is under positive pressure. <laughs> That, that keeps the pellets free-flowing on the inside, and that is way more convenient for brewers, much, much more convenient for brewers, and they like to see that. So that's sort of a, a customer service thing. Here's the drawback. It's very difficult to tell on a pillow pack if you've got a leak in your bag compared to the vacuum bag. And so a lot of uh, folks are concerned about going to the pillow pack because, they're, well, how do I know I've got a if I have a good seal or not, you know, with a, with a hard vac, I can tell, you know, within an hour, you know, I've lost vacuum on it and I have to rebag it. That's true. That is a challenge. And it really does come down to how comfortable you are with your, uh, with your bag and your sealer. Do you have to pull a super tight vacuum on those pellets? Not ideally, because what happens is as the bag sort of shrinks down onto the hot pellets it creates all these little crevices and peaks and those things form sharp points and you end up actually if you're using a thin or a thinner polymer bag uh, you can get these little micro crystalline fractures in the in the polymer and that actually over time loses the vacuum so that's that's also no good so is there is a happy medium and if if you are concerned as a as a grower that you're going to lose vacuum and have these hops in storage and then oxygen's going to get in and you thought everything was great and then now they're shot so you can you don't have to pull such a hard vacuum so i would pull down you know just to the point where you're starting to get some good squish of the bag onto the hops and then stop but you may not have necessarily got all the gas all the oxygen and stuff out of that bag so what I would do is do a really heavy gas purge on it first so that you're flooding that bag with like nitrogen and you're pushing all the other air out and then pull your vacuum. So now you're sucking mostly nitrogen out of the bag. And it's sort of a a compromise, but you know, if you're concerned about not getting a good seal on a or or losing a seal, not knowing you lost a seal on a pillow pack then that's probably a good way to go.
0: And, you know, when you say pillow pack, it my, my vision in my head is a big poofy pack, but it sounds like it's really just got a, a burst of additional air in there. So it's probably not really... My, my first concern was that there'd be a storage issue where you lose a lot of storage space by moving away from vacuum, from strict vacuum
1: packing. It sounds like that's not really a concern. Well, you're you are. It's slightly pillowed compared to just being at atmospheric pressure. Mm-hmm. So when you push on it, you can tell there's pressure in the bag. Okay. Uh, but it's not like this giant. It's not a inflated big inflated balloon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it, yeah, it could require a slightly larger box. But I think most brewers would, as evident by the market, happily take that. Uh, as compared to a tight hop brick that they then have to bust apart. Gotcha.
0: All right, so that'll so that'll make sense. So we know the equipment, we we understand the 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 density level there. What about the bags themselves? You've mentioned things about barrier. You know, you you threw out mm-hmm. the term
1: barrier bag before. Right. Not all bags, pouch material are barrier pouches. Um, for instance, a zip top bag that you just you know whatever put your lunch sandwich in, I guess is a barrier to ants or (laughs) cockroaches (laughs) i don't know but it's absolutely not a barrier to light water vapor or or gases like oxygen they pass right through that material it's polyethylene and polyethylene is great at being a a general film that protects like i said against abrasion because it is pretty tough plastic right But, but it's not particularly good at anything else. It's also very flexible. So in and of itself, not a great material for, for packaging or hops in the aluminum layer on most of these bags that you see, people call it Mylar. Mylar is a trade name from DuPont, but basically it's, it's a vaporized aluminum uh, that is deposited on a film. And that is a absolutely fantastic light barrier but it doesn't necessarily stop because it's really only a couple of atoms thick. So you can still get oxygen penetration through that layer. So that's not really, it's a good light barrier, but not an oxygen barrier. Then you have things like polyester and polyester is great at being a gas barrier and water vapor barrier. But again, it's clear. So it doesn't do anything for light. And all these different polymers have different attributes. What we want to do is we want to have a pouch that has everything we need, a gas, light, moisture. So that means we have to use more than one material. So these bags are a lamination of different materials. And so people say, well, I use, I use mylar bags and that's good, right? Well, it depends. It's good if you just want to keep light away but what's the other materials that are in it? Just because it's reflective and shiny doesn't mean it's a barrier bag. Mm-hmm. Likewise, just because it's clear doesn't mean it's a barrier bag like the food saver bags and whatnot. They have some barrier properties, but they're not obviously a barrier to light. Well, is that really that big of a deal for your steaks? No, it isn't, but it is for hops. So we want to have a, a light barrier there as well. And even
0: even if those hops are going in a, box which is then going into a freezer
1: correct because most of those hops are going to end up out of their boxes and stored somewhere else the number of times i've seen bags of of hops stored on shelves inside the brew house outside of the cooler is just so common so because brewers don't have much space usually in their coolers they want to put beer in there they don't want to take up all their space with hops so you'll see a lot of that out there and it does not take long for uv light to skunk hops and uv will go right through a clear bag no problem and and by not long i'm talking hours and those the hops that are on the outside of that bundle will get uv struck and start to produce skunky off notes so it doesn't take much of those thiols parts per trillion in hops before you start noticing it in your flavor so don't do it typically it's a it's an aluminum layer a polyester layer and some sort of polyethylene or polypropylene and your manufacturer will be able to tell you what these bags are used as barriers for is it a you know you want a a food barrier bag but you certainly don't want one that is clear that's that's a no-no so I want to stay away from those. What about, hey, James, if oxygen's so bad, why don't I put those little oxygen-absorbing uh, pouches in there? That'll work, right? Ooh. It absolutely will suck up oxygen and bind oxygen, keep it away from your hops. It'll also suck up a lot of your hop aroma, which is why the industry has gone away from these oxygen-absorbing cap liners and bottles because they were finding they were... They were preferentially binding to some of the hop aroma compounds so i'd say it's uh i'd stay away from those as a bag uh for for sort of a little extra added benefit double purge with nitrogen if you want it's going to be cheaper in the long run anyway besides a lot of brewers if they're large enough they're taking that whole bag and dumping it in the last thing they want to have to do is fish out an oxygen absorber which is not food safe so at least to be submerged so that's a no-no I never even would have considered that. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. I've seen all kinds of crazy stuff. Uh, what else can we talk about? Let's see here. We talked about bags. We talked about pillow pack versus vacuum pack. We talked about. Oh, we could talk about the thickness of your bag because that that matters. The what the gauge is, and they they measure them in mils, so thousands of an inch, and the industry standard is four mil. And that seems to be a good compromise between price and durability. Could you go heavier than that? Sure, you can go up to 12 mil. I think military spec is 8 mil, something like that. But you have to remember the thicker the laminations are, the more heat you have to put to it to melt them. And so make sure that your if you're going to go super duty, make sure that your machine can handle that sort of thickness. I never found a need for it. But what I have found is that when you go down to three mil and below, they get so flimsy uh, that they can, and they, they start to feel like a mylar balloon, right? The reflective balloon material. Uh, that's way too thin. You're going to, you pull a vacuum on that even even briefly, and you're going to create micro, micro fissures in it, and they're never going to hold long-term vacuum. So four mils, the mint
0: what what about the shape of the bags i recall i know we've got a video somewhere maybe we can get some stills off of it of of christine on the line filling bags mm-hmm. and i vaguely recall a conversation about bags that had bags that had a solid bottom where they could stand up versus
1: just a... like a yeah like a gusseted bag yeah um those are available i don't see much benefit in them because we're typically putting the bag inside of some sort of form when we're adding the hops so that it stays in the shape we want it to. Um, certainly if you're going with a hard vac, cause you don't want these goofy shaped lumpy bags then that don't fit in your boxes because then you've wasted a bag and now that bag could be as much as $2 and you don't want to be doing that too much. What, what I found is that by pillow packing instead of hard vacing, that's really not so much of an issue because the hops are free to, to sort of flow around inside of the bag at that point the gusset bag is easier to handle but i i just don't see the the need for the added cost. they could be you know upwards as twice as much and they don't make them at the same sort of levels you know they don't make them like 18 by 24 uh, very very often so you can expect to pay a premium for those okay good to know and you can get them in all different colors too if you want colored aluminized bags you know you want to you want to do something that's Indicative of your your branding, I see a lot of green out there. Uh, silver is by far the the most common. Mm-hmm. There they are available. They may not be available in all uh, thicknesses, but they're out there.
0: And you know, it's one thing when you're putting that bag together, and especially you mentioned a 44 pound bag, which uh, it ha- it's large. Yeah. What what is the responsibility of the brewer in terms of you know you've done all this work, you sealed it they open the bag, they use a third of it and then they just roll the top, throw a rubber band around
1: it and throw it in the freezer. Mm -hmm. That's what's going to happen. Of the, the brewers we sold to all the, I don't know how many hundreds of customers we had. There were two that had their own vacuum sealers in, in brewery where they would reseal their bags. So it's not common at all. What is more common if people are going to, and what I try to talk brewers into, is that if you want to Some, some will say I take my hops right out of their bag immediately. And I put them in these buckets. Okay. You can do that. You know, like five gallon bucket with a snap on lid. I said, but every time you're in and out of that, you're letting oxygen in and the bag is there to protect it. They retort correctly. (laughs) Well, if I'm opening the bag anyway, there's no way I can seal it. So why might, I might as well make it convenient for me. (laughs) That's, that's true. So. What I suggest that they would do is get those uh, snap-on lids for five-gallon buckets that have the gasket on the inside, a little rubber gasket, and then a screw screw top. So they could unscrew it, get in what they need, and screw it back down instead of trying to pry that, that lid on and off all the time, which wrecks the seal. And then, before they get ready to close it, take some of their compressed CO2, which they have a lot of, and purge the whole the whole bucket because CO2 is heavier than air. It will settle to the bottom and then slowly fill that bucket up and push all the air out, and then put your lid on it. That's about as good as you're going to get. Mm-hmm. Short short of resealing yourself. Correct, and that can that can extend the life of those hops by threefold. Uh, but, you know, as a, as a hop grower, you're like, oh, I don't want them to do that. I want them to buy more hops. No, you don't. That's going to make them more grumpy if you, if you keep doing that.
0: You know, by the same token, you know, you're selling to brewers. There is a market out there to sell to homebrew shops. And mm. there are two different avenues here. One is, are you willing to do bagging at this level for one ounce and four ounce packages because that's what a mm-hmm. homebrew shop needs mm-hmm. and if you're not willing to do that are you prepared to sell a 44 pound bag at your normal brewery rates knowing that this homebrew shop is going to immediately open it up and put it in little ziplocs of one to four ounces and put it out there at a ridiculously high markup compared to the you know 10 to 14 dollars a pound you just sold it to them for
1: right good point i say don't let them repackage Mm -hmm. because you work too damn hard to deliver a quality product and what they're going to do is they're going to repack it into one of those using one of those damn over-the-counter vacuum sealers that's clear and then they're promptly going to put them in a case that's heavily lighted with fluorescent lights in a very short period of time they're going to go rank if you look at what the the really big farms are doing like uh Uh, Yakima Chief and Hop Union, which is now Yakima Chief, or Brewer Supply Group, all of their bags are branded. And some of them are pouch bags, you know, uh, gusseted, which is fine, but they're all branded bags. Uh, So you can't see into them anyway. Why would, there's a reason for that. There's not, they're saying, hey, if I have to make a a bag that light can't get through, I might as well use it as an advertisement. Because those big growers don't allow homebrew shops to repackage. They know better. There's a reason for it don't do it you can get small bags with like six inch by six inch square bags with like a tear notch which is what we used for one ounce increments and work just fine and i could sell them at what i sell them wholesale to brewers for or to to homebrew shops for um a buck 85 or two bucks an ounce and they'd mark them up a buck and a half and everybody's happy mm-hmm. and that that's two
0: to three times what you're getting selling them to brewers in in large quantities in in 11 22 and 44 pound quantities but you're 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 upcharging that for the labor that it's taking
1: right and if you've if you've got the right um vacuum sealer it's really not all that much of an issue you just got to change a few settings you've got one person weighing out one or two ounce portions or however you want to do it and another person you know running the vacuum sealer because you have to remember the, the volume of air and gas that you're just placing in those tiny bags takes like a half a second to purge and vac. So you're not like sitting there for, for five or six or seven seconds while it's drawing down on a, on a big bag. It's really quick. So two of us could batch out three or four hundred one-ounce bags in an hour and do the math on that. You know, if you're selling them at two bucks a piece... In an hour for two people even at my rate hourly rate it was still smart money yep yep and to your point about you know not even
0: a we didn't sell large bags to these homebrew shops we would only and the requests were always coming in hey we just want to get oh, yeah. 44 pounds and we'll split it up if you decide you're willing to do that that that's your call the caveat would be if you know they're going to be rebagging this. You know, if you're lucky, they're using a, a vacuum sealer. <laughs> Otherwise, mm-hmm. they're putting it in little Ziplocs. You have every right in the world to say, okay, fine, I'll sell it to you that way, but I don't want my name on it. Right. Because as much as you, we've talked before about wanting to see your farm name out there, but if it's going to get repackaged in a way where you know the quality is going to degrade that quickly, don't take the risk.
1: I'm looking here at, uh, at Zorban Systems' website, looking at trying to find the... The part number we used, and one of the ones we used was a 16 by 20 bag, uh, 4.5 mil. And they were, uh, this one was 100 per case. Uh, they were $105 for a case, so a $1.05 a piece. And you say, well, wow, I can get a 3.5 mil for 55 cents a piece. You can do whatever you want. Knock yourself out. But the way I figure it, you don't have to, you know. Some of these you can buy, and you know they'll break them up into smaller parcels. Here's a 18 by 28, which would be good for like a uh, a 10 kilo or 22 pound bag. You can get 10 to 40 bags for a buck 46 piece
0: so Sorbin also has a very nice guide right on their homepage, which takes you to how to package, and mm-hmm. they split it into if you're a farm versus a brewer versus a home brewer, because as we've talked about, there are different levels and different intents with all of these, um, you know, depending on who you are with how you package. So they do a nice job right. here of laying that out as well.
1: Yeah. On their homepage, you can see, uh, one of the f- selectables is a sealer. It's a big stand-up silver looking do- doodad. That's very similar to the one that we had. And I love that thing. That was awesome.
0: And it's interesting that, that the picture right next to that is of the, the desiccants, the things you talk yeah. about not putting in there. <laughs>
1: uh-huh. Uh huh.
0: Uh huh. But but they also you know this is not all about hops they talk about food packaging where you would use those for yep. for snacks and whatnot like if you're
1: gonna like uh, beef jerky has that in it
0: yeah they have a hops packaging guide yep right on their page yeah there's there's some some nice stuff there so um again not a sponsor but I may send them a bill regardless
1: right no they're good people we started using them like I said a long time ago and long before anybody else was. Was talking about hops, and uh, we worked with them quite a bit.
0: Interesting that they focus on on hops there on the homepage now. That mm-hmm. it's uh, it's a big deal. It is a big deal. Yes. All right. So what what can people do wrong? I mean, we we love going down this path.
1: <laughs> what can you do wrong? Everything. You can have a vacuum sealer that's too small for your needs. You could have equipment that. You don't know how to use properly or you overbuy and you're like, wow, now I have to buy these other bags that you know are just too expensive. You can use the wrong gauge of bag. You can not pay attention to your sealing operation and you think you've got a sealed bag because the bag melted, but turns out that your snorkel had a bunch of built up lupulin on it. And as it retracts, it drags lupulin into the seal zone and it doesn't seal properly.
0: If you had your cobbler cleaning all the equipment, you know, you wouldn't have Dude, the lupulin built up everywhere. Outside of
1: his job description. Oh, he's too busy and on the shoes? You don't want to get the union involved here. It's not his problem. So you could, uh, one of the really common things is is learning how to not get a wrinkle or a crease in your seal zone. Because you, if you do that, then it's not going to seal flat and you're going to get oxygen intrusion so i i I would say the biggest mistake you're going to make is thinking that this is not all that critical and super easy to do it takes practice
0: yep and and the pricing on this equipment i mean you the very first thing you said was having too small or too large a, a device and using the wrong equipment this is not like a harvester where you better really plan things out and buy the right one. I mean, you still should plan, obviously, but you can start with the size you need and flipping one of these out on the open market, which the market is there for them, and then mm-hmm. upgrading is not a complicated or expensive endeavor. So right-sizing over and over again here, not not
1: a problem. Like I said, I bought actually both of our our, our sealers I bought used and they were great. The, the larger sealer uh, that I, that we ended up with, I did have to replace, excuse me, blah, replace the vacuum pump uh, because it did get some hard use and it was used and Lord knows how hard it was used before I got it. Just like everything else, it takes maintenance, but they're really pretty simple machines, vacuum. You've got some solenoids in there that, you know, switch the path between vacuum and gas. And some timers and a heating element, and that's it.
0: And once again, as we've talked about so many times, you're talking about one more piece of equipment that can break when you need it. <laughs> of course. So learn
1: learn how the thing works for the love mm-hmm. of God. And compared to all the other pieces of equipment you're going to be using, this is pretty simple. It needs cleaning. It needs you know you might get you might stick the snorkel too far down inside of your bag and suck up a bunch of hot debris, and now you've got hop debris in your filter and it stops pulling a vacuum so you gotta break it down clean it out blah 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 um, there are nuances to this don't use a bag that is too small I would rather have a bag that's too large and have to trim it down a little bit than to have a bag that's too small and you're trying to you've got the snorkel stuck down into your hot pellets that's not what you want so it's, it's it takes a little practice Practice, practice. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I think we have have covered this one soup to nuts here. Mm-hmm. D- do I need
1: to beg you to stop? You do. Beg, beg away. That nozzle typically sucks.